Welcome to our podcast, Ghostly Residents of Old Cape Cod. The chapter for our podcast today is taken from Haunted Cape Cod and the Islands by Mark Jasper. We've done this quite a few times. Um, It was published in 2002. There is a lot of history in this book. Our title today is called The Ghost Machine. So let's begin. Quote, in the words from an anonymous man in Yarmouthport, the Captain Oliver Matthews' house was built in 1835 and is one of the one of a large number of historic houses in Yarmouthport. In the 1970s, my mother was down visiting her sister in Dennis. She just happened to see this house for sale and got really impulsive. I said, Mom, go for it. At the same time, we were living in Lexington. My father had died and my mother wanted to be closer to her sister. Besides, it was a lovely old house with a lot of charm and had not been modified very much. The house had a lot of unique features. In the kitchen, For example, there's a hot water heater that you have to light a fire underneath in order to get hot water. In the attic, there is this really marvelous room, which is entirely papered with magazines dating back to the 1800s. We moved into the house in 1971. We never had any kind of ghostly occurrences until around 1976 or so, when my mother and some of her friends were staying there. At one point, they looked at each other and said, Who put the coffee on? There was this distinct aroma of coffee percolating, circling around the house. But, of course, no one had made any coffee. That was the first unusual incident. Around that time, something rather strange began to happen. Women visiting the house would mysteriously lose one of their earrings. I know, not terribly ghostly, but nevertheless another strange, unexplained occurrence. Excuse me, in 1980, my mother passed away but my wife and I kept the house as a summer residence. Since there were only the two of us and we didn't get down to the house that often, we loaned it out to friends and family. That winter, we hadn't gotten to the house to have the heat fixed, but my friend John decided to stay there anyway. He kept himself warm by lighting all of the fireplaces. John was handy, was a handy guy, and he kept a bunch of tools in the house. He began to notice that some of them had disappeared. John searched high and low, but the tools were gone. He started to get angry, and he said in a loud voice, All right, look, these are not earrings. Give me back my tools. He went into the cellar for the one last look came back upstairs and there were the tools sitting on the kitchen table. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? 
Let's continue and see what else happens. A year later, some members of my wife's family were staying in the house. There were some young children there as well, and one of them walked into the kitchen and said, Mom, who is that sad man and the lady in pink? Mom, of course, got very upset and bailed out of the house. That was the very first recorded sighting in the house. Well, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we can hear the rest of the story. off where they had had the first sighting. Now the second sighting happened a few years later. Another child reported seeing a sad looking man and a lady in pink as well. After the second sighting we all came to the conclusion that it must have been the original occupants, Phoebe and Oliver, who who were haunting the house. Another unusual experience happened to friends of mine that were residing in the house for a period of time. Apparently, one of them could not find the linen closet and was getting very upset. They went out for a while, and when they returned, the door to the linen closet was wide open and a towel was on the floor. You know, you can't get any more accommodating than that. In my opinion, (laughs) the ultimate ghost story happened to a woman I worked with and her brother, whom I let them use the house. The woman told me that while they were staying there, her brother teased the children and told them that Phoebe was a mean ghost and was going to get them during the night. She said she tried to talk... (laughs) She tried to talk him out of telling scary stories to the kids, but he wouldn't listen. Now, her brother was residing in one of the upstairs bedrooms. At about 2 a.m., he had to go to the bathroom. He got out of bed and attempted to open the bedroom door, but the door would not open. He was locked in his room. She said he really flipped out, yelling, Let me out, let me out, but the door would not budge. Eventually he gave up and fell back to sleep. When he woke the next morning, the bedroom door was wide open. Do you think he got the message? I hope so. Now my friend John, the one who had the experience with the missing tools, seemed to have some ghostly sensitivity. He claims to have been a goat to have seen a ghost in the town of Marblehead, and another one in Rangeley, in Maine. Although he has never had a sighting at my house, he knew there were spirits there. Well, both of us decided it was time to break out the Ouija board. Now, the Ouija board told us there are, in fact. Four ghosts in the house, Phoebe and Oliver, 
one ghost that was illiterate and could not identify itself through the Ouija board, and another ghost named Ellen. Apparently, Ellen is the ghost that takes the earrings, although we could never figure out why. <clears throat> Excuse me. One day, I decided to do some research on the house. I asked my next-door neighbor for some help. His family was quite connected with the area. In fact, his aunt had even owned my house for a period of time. I asked him if he knew anything about a person named Ellen in connection with my house. He asked his family and was told that a distant relative from England who was named Ellen once stayed there for two winters. They said she was really weird. Now, have you ever heard of a ghost that decided to return transatlantic? I guess she decided that she didn't want to be a ghost in England and managed to hitchhike a passage over here so she could hang out at the Matthews house. Now I want to show you something that John found in a popular mechanics magazine. After seeing this device, I decided to try to make one. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is allegedly a ghost detector. It detects very subtle changes in electromagnetic fields. The device is incredibly sensitive, and when it detects something, it makes a tapping noise. We tested the ghost detector out <clears throat> excuse me, in a notoriously haunted place off Cape. We were very disappointed, no ghostly detection. Then we tried it out at my house in Yarmouthport. In the room wallpapered with old magazines dating back to the 1800s, the detector began to sound off, signaling ghostly activity. Sometime after that, I was doing some work in the house by myself. I brought the ghost machine with me and set it down in the hallway, and I said out loud, if you like the work I'm doing, set off the machine. Suddenly, the machine sounded off. I then said, okay, turn it off. But this time, there was no response. Well, that's the end of the story from Mark, Mark Jasper. And now I understand the title, The Ghost Machine. <clears throat> Here are my notes. Um, I searched the internet for this Captain Oliver Matthews house, and I couldn't find anything. I do believe it is a private residence. It did not even show up in the Yarmouth archives. Mark makes several instances in the story, not necessarily his instances, but the writer's instance about using a Ouija board. I have known several people who have used a Ouija board, Yes, it's fun, but sometimes it can have unexpected results. Usually, I warn everyone who, especially young children or young teenagers who want to have fun with the Ouija board, I always advise against it, and I think my grandchildren can attest to that. Spirits 
especially spirits inadvertently conjured up through a Ouija board, could be very disoriented, or worse, angry. Best to leave ghosts where they are happy and content. Cemeteries are another place to be wary of. You might think it fun to stomp around graves and look at stones, but the spirits there might not want to be disturbed or want you to disturb their families or friends. Here's a bit of trivia. Gravestones or grave markers are usually made of granite. Granite is an enormous transmitter or conductor of energy. That is why obelisks, like the Bunker Hill Monument, that's an obelisk, and the Washington Monument, also an obelisk, were created in granite. I'll let you figure out the rest of that story. I have several crystals in the shape of obelisks. I use them in grids. Something to think about. Ghosts are not much different from us. They are only in a different energy form. Well, that's all for today. Our next podcast, The Ghostly Guestbook, at the Colonial House Inn in Yarmouthport. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's see. Okay, as promised, these podcasts are murder-free, almost, and always frightfully ghostly. If you or someone you know has had a ghostly experience, give them our free email address, ghostly.residence at gmail.com. We would love to hear about it. This podcast and all of our podcasts are created on Spotify, the easiest way to make a podcast. The written transcript can be found on our website, https colon slash slash capecodwriters.net. There is a poll at the end of this podcast in case you want to comment. We would really appreciate any comments or ideas you may have. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.